Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. True to my word, this week we have another question about love, like, and emo stuff like that. So we're just going to get into it as we do. And this question comes from Sad Face. She says, baby astrologer here trying to understand all the things. Love your podcast and book. So my Saturn squares Venus. Is this why I'm chronically single? I've read that this is the suckiest of all aspects for love. My entire adult life has been spent single, save a brief tryst at 27 and an even briefer interlude at 32. I fight the urge to blanket myself with a label of not being good enough. I've worked hard to remind myself we are all worthy of the love we want and to calm down, be present, and be open. It just feels like the universe is constantly teasing me and it's getting demoralizing AF. I know you've said, what's the lesson here for me? Or what do I want to learn? Well, I want to learn how to love and be loved. This has been a forever struggle of mine and I've grown leaps and bounds in terms of family and friend relationships, but not in the romance department. There must be something else in my chart to help me soften this aspect or help me out. I find myself personally fixated on another Venus aspect in my chart. It's the conjunction to my North Node. I'm not sure what it really means or if it applies here. And Sadface has asked that I keep her birth time and location private, so I shall. But I can share that her birth date is July 30th, 1982. So there's a lot going on here. The first thing I want to say is, I'm guessing you haven't really read that Venus Saturn square is the suckiest of all aspects for love. Like, I'm guessing that's not like a thing that you read in a book. If it is, I want a referral to that book because it is kind of funny, super mean, and terribly wrong. Let's unpack all the things. The first is I'm really glad to hear that you're doing the work. It sounds like you are not just like lying down and taking it, but you're working on yourself. And that is wonderful to hear. Now, when I pull up your birth chart, yes, I see that you have a Venus-Saturn square. But what I see that is equally interesting to me is that Saturn is conjunct your ascendant in Libra. You also have Pluto and Mars conjunct each other in the first house in Libra, with Jupiter very close by in Scorpio. You also have Venus squaring not only Saturn, but the ascendant. And you're a Leo with a Sagittarius moon. There's a lot to talk about here, but first, I just want to really focus on your question. As I've said before and recently, there is no one birth chart aspect or placement that is going to make it so that you can never have love or that is solely responsible for you never having love, okay? It's really the whole chart that we want to look at. As you have focused and fixated on this one aspect, you've missed out on a a lot of really important data. Now, the Saturn-Venus square, it can be tough. It can be tough because it's hard to open up to people. It can make you really fixated on wanting answers and wanting security and stability before you know whether or not you can be happy and you can grow. Additionally, you have Venus in Cancer. Venus and Cancer, it really makes you want to be close quickly and emotionally and tenderly and kind of holy. And Venus is in a sandwich between your North Node and your Midheaven. That's a very meaningful sandwich. We have to talk about that sandwich. But before we do, I want to say that tenderness that Venus wants in your birth chart, 
squared to the ascendant in Saturn, essentially what that means is that you have this really personal desire to be connected, and it's so emo and tender and heartfelt. And it's in conflict with, aka square two, how you present yourself, what you're comfortable showing of yourself. So you are comfortable showing people that you want to be in a relationship with them, whether that's a friendship or a love relationship, whatever. You're somebody who shows up. However, having Saturn conjunct the ascendant, having Pluto, Mars, and Jupiter in the first house, it means a lot of things. But one of the big things it means is that you may get so focused on how you're presenting yourself, what you're doing, making sure things aren't awkward, making sure things aren't uncomfortable, moving dynamics along, being helpful, being a good person, listening actively, sharing interesting things. You see what I just did there? There was a lot. It was a lot. And there's a way that because you're so focused on on doing all of these things, what can happen is you don't leave space for awkwardness. You don't leave space for discomfort. And as shitty as it is, awkwardness is where romance blooms. Sexual tension exists in awkward moments. What you may unintentionally be doing is brozoning yourself. Now, to brozone oneself is to be so focused on facilitation, making things fun or interesting or moving them along, keeping yourself safe, keeping them entertained or keeping them safe, that you don't allow for space for things to spontaneously emerge. And the reason why you would do this is to be safe. You've got great reasons. I mean, my guess, looking at your birth chart, you are fun to be around. You are smart. You are uh, driven. You are hardworking. You are really, really, really self-aware and also really aware of other people. I mean, you come to this whole, you come to people, you come to relationships with a lot. The problem is, as much as you want relationship and as much as you want to be close, Unfortunately, what you don't want is vulnerability, and what you don't feel comfortable with is uncertainty. And the development of emotions, the development of crush, it kind of exists in this uncertain and vulnerable place. And it's a landscape that you have really highly developed skills in avoiding. On the one hand, thank God for that. Man, your survival mechanisms exist for good reason. Uh, you've done a lot of work to come out of your childhood um, and your childhood dynamics. You saw things in the adult relationships around you that you knew you didn't want to embody. There's a way that you really have had a lot of models of what not to do. And so what you've done is your best attempts at not being somebody who's weak and who loses herself in others. You've done a really good job of carving yourself into a person who can be self-reliant and independent. You've done a very good job of it. And you're right. You're done. That lesson has been learned, and it is time for a new damn lesson. Congratulations slash ouch. Here's the good news, my dear. In 2019, which was a suck year for you, in 2019, you had Saturn opposing your natal Venus. It was squaring itself and it was squaring your ascendant. And at the end of the year, it was opposing your midheaven. In 2020, what's happening is more of this opposition to the midheaven a little bit, and Saturn is squaring your Pluto. 
and then eventually your Mars, and it'll come for your Jupiter. So why am I saying these Saturn transits are, are good news? Trust me, they are. They are making you so uncomfortable with how your survival mechanisms keep you stuck instead of safe that you're finally ready to change. You're ready to change. So you're asking me in your question, what in my chart that is not my Saturn Venus can I use to soften up? And it's a good, it's a good question. It's a good question, but it's kind of the wrong question. Saturn Venus square, it makes it hard to be fluid. It makes it hard to have trust and vulnerability. But once you're in a relationship, ask your friends, ask your family. You are dedicated. You are committed. You are willing to do the work over the course of time. This is a very monogamous leaning natal aspect. It makes you inclined to really, you know, commit to the people in your life and have pretty fixed rules around what that looks like and what that means. But you're also willing to compromise when you feel like it's a fair ask, right? So there's a way that this Venus Saturn square is really good for long-term partnership, long-term committed partnership, monogamous partnership in particular. I don't see this as something that precludes you from getting into a committed relationship with someone. That all said, 2020 is a time for dealing with your responses to things. When I say that, unfortunately, what I mean is instead of like finding something else that's softer, I want to encourage you to gently and kindly engage with the parts of yourself that are hard as hell. I want to encourage you to become more tolerant of your own internal reactions, impulses, and dialogue so that you can actually change it. When we say to ourselves, this is bad about me, this is wrong about me, I'm going to change this about me. I'm not going to feed this. I'm going to starve this out in me. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. We cannot ignore our nature. We cannot punish our nature out of existence any more than we can do it to others. The work here with your beautiful Venus and Cancer is all about nurturance, support, kindness, tenderness, empathy, sympathy. Your North Node conjunction to Venus, more loosely conjoined to the Midheaven, all in the ninth house. What it does, it tells me that you have come here to find spiritual motivation in practical material terms, choosing kindness, love, sympathy, empathy, choosing to nurture your heart and your values so that you can choose yourself when you're vulnerable and awkward around others when you're lonely. This is really hard. It's very fucking difficult. You're not supposed to get your North Node like down pat in your 30s. It's not realistic to get it down in your 20s, really. You know, if you start to really come to clear embodiment of your North Node in your 40s, you're doing amazing. You're, you're like early on schedule. Be patient with yourself. Just because it hasn't happened yet is not evidence that it won't happen. It is not evidence that it won't happen. It's only evidence that it hasn't happened yet. And as you say in your question, you've done a lot of work and come a really long way, baby. You really have. So the work here is to find ways to embrace your vulnerability, to be kind to it. And those ways are going to in part be through your spiritual values. Because you have North Node in the ninth house, there's an element here that requires faith from you. Faith. Now, Saturn conjunction to the ascendants, especially you throw Pluto and Mars in there, it's not very faith-based. It's rule-based. It's evidential-based, right? 
And I'm not saying throw away rules. I love rules. Don't throw away evidence. Evidence is so valuable. But add faith. What you say to others is so important. But what you say to yourself is actually what I'm referring to. You are in a state where you're messaging to yourself, the way you've talked to yourself, the way you've treated yourself is unkind. It's lacking in grace and generosity. And where it took you in 2019 was a really probably depressed place. Not fun, not cute, not good. And this year, as Saturn is coming for your Pluto, and anyone who's gone through a Saturn-Pluto square or opposition can tell you this is a very difficult transit because Pluto governs your survival mechanisms and Saturn is your sense of reality. When these two planets clash by transit, it confronts us with our survival mechanisms in a way that forces us to really look at our lives as it is, our natures as they are, our choices as they are, and to make real changes. But the changes have to start in your innermost psychology. The changes need to start inside of you and not outside of you. And so again, I'm back to faith because how can you choose to change when you've convinced yourself that because it hasn't happened yet, it won't happen? Or because you haven't had it yet, there's something inherently flawed inside of you. There's nothing flawed inside of you. In fact, when we have Saturn close to the ascendant, a very common thing is that you don't find partnership before 30. Very, very common thing. And you, my dear, are at the end of your 30s. You're around 38 now. And again, because Saturn was forming a square to itself in 2019, it really confronted you with coping tools that weren't working that were not established at your Saturn return, but solidified at your Saturn return, which is at around 29 years old, right? And so you have been in a state where you have needed to look at how things aren't working and not beat yourself up, but instead say, okay, what do I need to dig up? What do I need to compost? And what do I need to plant at another spot in my garden? That's a garden metaphor for you. And that's really, the, that's it. That's what it is. So the last time you dated was 2732, you said, which was on either side of your Saturn return. Interesting, right? It's a time actually when a lot of people don't date because things are a little heavy. But for you, you're good at heavy, actually. <laughs> you're in your comfort zone in heavy because you get to engage from your survival mechanisms. So this brings me to something else. Letting people love you is uncomfortable. Ah, it's uncomfortable. That Saturn-Venus square, Saturn on the rise, Pluto-Mars conjunction, all of these things indicate that there's a part of you that's like, eh, you can just take a step back. That's fine. Don't get too close. Don't be too mushy. I don't like it. Other parts of your chart love mushiness. So you are of mixed minds. You may decide in your fantasy life that you love being tended to and embraced. But then when somebody actually does it, you're like, ah, this feels awkward. I don't know if I like this. Does that mean I don't like them? Is there something wrong with me? And you're just somebody who takes a minute to warm up. For you, you may have really strong sexual connections with people or impulses towards people that are really unattainable because it's ultimately the safest way to go because there's no threat of contact, really. And then with people who are available and a little bit more present and realistic, it might be harder to warm up because you can engage more of your critical nature around them. And so, again, there is this way that being able to tolerate the sharpness of your reactions and the tone of your reactions will allow you to start to decode what they're really about. Is this intense annoyance by this person because they're annoying? Or is it because I just am uncomfortable right now and I don't know, I can't even see them clearly? If it's the latter, then okay, 
take care of yourself. Work through it. And if it's because they're annoying, okay, they're annoying. Walk away. Do what you got to do, right? Now, additionally, in 2020, you have a Uranus square to the sun. And this transit is a really valuable transit to have going on when you have all this Saturn Michigas happening as well. Because it means that you are changing, like on a central level, on a core level. It means you're changing and you're more open to change. And so I want to advise you, my dear, to embrace your Saturn Venus square. Embrace all the parts of you that you have actually tried to distance yourself from or force into change. And instead, to start being interested in yourself and see if you can embrace yourself, love yourself. And I think a great way of doing that is by continuing to pursue spiritual pathways. And I say continue because if you're messing with astrology and you're a baby astrologer and you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously doing all that, right? The thing about astrology is it's highly analytic. So it's about studying and interpreting, which is actually not quite what I'm trying to point you towards. Although, of course, please study astrology. Obviously, I think it's the best thing in the world to do. I want to encourage you to practice sitting with feelings. I want to encourage you to practice being present as your thoughts race around. I want to encourage you to practice investing in longing and hope and faith. And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like for you. You know, there's so many ways of going about that. And I don't believe that there are right and wrong ways. There's only ways that are resonant and uh, uplifting for you than others. You should gravitate towards those. You do not need to be monogamous about it. You do not need to be uh, devotional about it. But be investigative. Really explore it. If you can find a way to have faith that there is a weirdo out there who wants to hang out with you because of the ways you're weird, who's into you because of the ways that you can be <laughs> kind of cold at times and you can be hard to get to know and hard to get in general. There, of course, are people out there like that that would just love the parts of you that you struggle against, that like the parts of you that you struggle against. Absolutely, there are people out there like that. Now, there is nothing in your chart that makes me think you are not meant to be partnered. Nothing, girl, nothing. Isn't that interesting? I mean, I say, isn't that interesting? Because I get that you have this idea that the Saturn Venus square indicates that you're locked into suckiness forevermore. It's really not at all how I see your birth chart. That North Node conjunction to Venus indicates partnership. It indicates that your soul is yearning for partnership. But it also indicates that you don't know how to really be yourself around people to really like show up and be who you are because it's scary. And honestly, the rest of your chart reinforces that, that you're scared. That's okay. You're allowed to be scared. Love is terrifying. I don't know what gender you date, but everybody's terrifying. Everybody's terrifying. So it's okay to be scared. Be scared, but find ways of developing tools to support yourself with that fear instead of powering through. This is not a topic that any of us can power through. We have to be present for it if we want substantive relationships. Sorry, Charlie. That's just how it goes. So, in summation, my dear, this is what I want to encourage you to do. Try new things in 2020. Experiment with new ways of engaging with yourself. And when I say try new things and new ways of engaging with yourself, I am talking about new ways of engaging with your thoughts and your feelings. Because that will be the foundation. The next time you're around someone who you're like, 
maybe this person's cute. Maybe I could develop a life-ruining crush on this person. That you can allow space for things to get awkward and not shut down. But instead, let yourself blush a little. Let yourself be awkward a little. Because believe it or not, when you're awkward, it's a clear signal to your prospective maybe crush that you're geeked out by them. And that is a little bit of a green light. Maybe it's a yellow light. It's definitely not a red light. It's definitely not a red light. And that's what we're trying to get you to get to is a place where you have less red lights flashing and more, you know, flashing yellow, solid green. Why not? Right? Why not? I'm taking my big mouth on the road in honor of Astrology for Real Relationships, my new book. So New York, I'm coming to you and I'm doing events on February 12th, 13th, 14th and 17th. So there's lots of opportunities to come meet me, get your book signed or get a copy of the book if you don't already have it. So yeah, go to my website at lovelaniato.com slash events. See you soon, New York. So this week, we're going to look at the astrology of February 9th through the 15th of 2020. Astrologically, this week, there's not too much happening which is interesting, right? So we have a full moon on the 9th on the East Coast. It really already happened by the time you're listening to this probably, um, which is why I talked about it in episode 85, last week's episode. If you didn't hear that episode, stop what you're doing, go listen to it, and then come right back, okay? Full moons, I'll just reiterate, are the time for a closure of a cycle. They bring feelings and your innermost psychology to the surface so that you cope, so that you consciously directly deal. That's that's what happens every month. Every month there's a full moon and it's meant to activate things that we would maybe prefer to not engage with, things that are overwhelming or emotional. While that might be a lot sometimes, it's also really helpful for your overall evolution. It just is. With this full moon moment on, you know, 8th, 9th, depending on where you are in the world, I just want to encourage you to be patient with whatever emotions come up and always return, always return to who do I want to be in this situation? How do I want to be in this situation? Which is essentially the same question as how do I want to respond to the emotions that I'm experiencing? How do I want to support myself around my feelings? What kind of choices do I want to make? What choices can I make? It's bringing mindfulness and as much presence as possible to the mess that is just a part of having human emotions, right? The other big news of this week is Mercury going retrograde on the 16th. Now, the 16th is next week's horoscope. But We are in the shadow, and if you're not feeling it, I'm so jelly, jelly, jelly of you because the truth of the matter is this Mercury retrograde is a lot of things. I'm going to pull up and read for you the Mercury retrograde chart next week, but you know, on social media, I see a lot of people being like, no, it can't be Mercury retrograde again. A lot of times people say things like, oh, I can't take another one, but the reality is Mercury retrogrades like three, four times a year. And that's just what Mercury does. It's just Mercury doing Mercury. You know what I'm saying? Mercury is the planet that governs your thinking, your attitudes, your friendships, how you communicate verbally, how you listen. It's kind of the pace of your mental acuity. Mercury governs 
texting, DMing, reading, writing. It's cognition. It's like how you process. So part of Mercury's healthy and appropriate function is that it retrogrades. And as I always say, retrogrades follow the rule of re. It's a time to reassess, review, recalibrate, right? Once you accept that astrology is, you know, charting the planets to help us determine what is your nature, if we're looking at your birth chart, or what is happening, what the larger lesson is, how long it'll last, and what we're meant to get out of it. Now that's transits. If you can accept that basic premise, <laughs> which is essentially astrology, right? Then there's something actually quite lovely about the Mercury retrograde. That lovely thing is you are meant to change your goddamn mind. You are meant to check back in. You are meant to evolve. You are meant to review and reassess and recalibrate. That is part of having a mind. It's part of having thoughts and, and a voice and attitudes and friends. It's not meant to be a straight line with no other cars on the road. The other cars on the road are meant to make you change maybe your, your speed sometimes, your course other times. It's a metaphor that's kind of weak because technically speaking, the car in astrology is governed by Mars and not Mercury. It was a weak metaphor. Mercury is walking a little bit more, but I'm going to stick with it. Mercury retrograde is what I like to call a massive pain in the butts. However, it's also part of being a person. It's part of life and it's not to be feared. I mean, I would tell you don't dread it, but I dread it. I mean, it's a little dreadful, but there's a value in it. Slow down. Have a little grace when other people make mistakes. Be patient. There will be, you know, schmuckle plans. I made up the word schmuckle, but Mercury retrograding through Aquarius and Pisces. I mean, it's going to impact technology. It's going to be like fuzzy headed. What do you do with that? Be patient. If something doesn't work out, don't take it personally. Try to try to work with it. What, how can you work with that? Find ways. It's not a tragedy that is befalling you. It is an annoying part of life. And it's a part of life that doesn't actually work well within capitalism and within our busy mercurial lives. But that doesn't mean it's wrong or bad. It just means the world that we live in and so much of our lifestyle needs a slow down and check in. Now, because I've pretty much told you about the astrology, I want to talk to you about some other stuff, okay? Because you know how I like to talk to you about stuff. There's this man. His name is Shahid Batar, and he said something so beautiful this week in response to Nancy Pelosi ripping up Donald Trump's fucking State of the Union. And he said, theater is no substitute for governance. And I don't, I'm not trying to get into the pros or cons of whether or not, you know, of how she ripped up that piece of paper. And I'm not trying to get into the pros and cons of her governance. But I want to say we have all these bigger transits going on, right? So when I talk about something like Mercury retrograde or full moon, these are really meaningful transits, but they're kind of uh, quicker moving transits, right? There's these bigger transits like the outer planets through a sign or when we see something like the Saturn-Pluto conjunction that we had in, in January, on January 12th. When we look at these kinds of big transits between outer planets, they impact generations. They impact society. They are reflected in politics and kind of the evolution of societies. And I, I'll say this, I'm not really trying to get into like predicting what's going to happen because I don't know that it's very constructive, TB, Ash. But I will say that what these transits are trying to have us learn is about the material world. 
And the reality is this society, this American society, right, is really built, it's built on racism. It's built on the exploitation of lands and of poor and working people. It's built on the exploitation of women and the repression of women, of brown and black people, of people of color in general, of indigenous people. I mean, this country is really got intensely problematic roots. And those roots have borne systems that really serve very few people and keep the majority down. What the transit of, well, honestly, all the transits we're going through right now and that I see upcoming in 2020, 2021, what they are doing is they are challenging us to really pay attention to the material world. And when I say the material world, I am talking about the earth. I am talking about capitalism and the hierarchies that organize the city you live in, the country you live in, the global or international community we all live in. But it's also how you relate to your body, how you take up space, how you move through the world, the choices you make IRL, um, not just your attitudes, not just your feelings, but what you're doing, what you're willing to stand up for or take a damn knee for. This stuff is material. And that is what we are needing a revolution around. We need a revolution, and that revolution needs to be a revolution of accountability. We need accountability from our governance, from, from our political figures. We need accountability from our bosses and our landlords and ourselves. We need accountability from ourselves. And it's really easy to talk about Mercury stuff, to get caught up in our idea about ourselves. And hopefully when I talk about yourself, when I talk about individualism, right? When I talk about living your best life, I want you to know I never mean that in a vacuum. If your best life is at the expense of other people, it's not your best life, honey. No, it's not. No, it's not. We're all in this together. And so it's really important that we look at the way we have structured our lives in material terms. And the gateway to that is your values. This year, we're going to have a Venus retrograde, and Venus is the planet that governs values. And it will be a time for really looking inward to uh, get reacquainted, as we do our re's with retrogrades, reacquainted with your values. And I will say, just for the record, um, that Venus retrograde is not going to happen until May. So don't ever think it. You don't have to scramble to, <laughs> to Google it. It's, it's not the pressing thing at this time at all. I want to give you some real practical tips this week. When you are trying to navigate life, whether we're talking about navigating your professional trajectory, navigating your health, <laughs> you know, your finances, when we're talking about navigating how to be an active participant in the social or political system, if you aren't first centered in what you value, in your values, your most deeply held beliefs, and I want to say values tend to be quite simple. They're simple. Most people's true values, we don't have that many of them, right? Uh, we have lots of ideas and ideals, but how many values does a person have? I have found through my practice of counseling people that most, most people have only a couple few things that they truly value. And I want to encourage you to identify what yours are. Maybe this is something you've never thought about. Maybe this is something you think about frequently. I think it's a really healthy thing for all of us to return to cyclically over the course of life. This week I came up with just 
a little six point, not a plan. It's not a plan. I wanted to give you just ways of activating and deactivating. I tried to come up with a fancy name for it. Couldn't come up with one. So let's just call it three ways to giddy up and three ways to giddy down. Three ways to activate this week. I want to give you these ideas, play with them, consider them, and work with what works, what resonates for you. Maybe try all of it. The first one is consider the perspective of your adversaries. I don't want to encourage you to do this so that you give them a pass. It's not about that. It's not about giving anyone a pass. It's not about anything like that. It's about understanding that other people's shit is about them. Homophobic people's homophobia is their burden to carry. It's not yours. When somebody is unkind or cruel, that is actually not about you. That is about the burden inside of them of cruelty and unkindness. It comes from pain. All shitty things you've ever done come from something that is struggling and suffering inside of you. And all shitty things anyone else on this planet has ever done has come from a really unhappy, maladjusted part of themselves. I am not saying this so that it like absolves anyone of anything, but it can be really powerful to recognize the humanity in others as a way to unburden yourself of carrying other people's shit or personalizing it. I want to encourage you to make a list of your values. Three items, five items, you know, doesn't have to be a long list, but really think about it. What is it that you value? What is it that actually means something to you? Because as you have a list of values, what you can do is better assess your options. Next time you have a choice to make, you can look at what you value and ask yourself, is my action reflecting my values here? And if it's not, do I need to do this thing at all? The third thing I want to encourage you to do this week, or, you know, in coming weeks, is, and this one's a little bit more of like a hardcore homework moment, but I think it's really valuable. It's a simple online search. Learn the names of all the politicians who impact your life directly. I am talking about city council members. Know the name of your mayor, district attorney, and your attorney general. These are very important (laughs) people to be aware of. Know the name of your district representatives and your senators. Find your governor. There are more people that are, you know, are representatives that are important, but I feel like that's enough homework. I just want you to learn their names. And hey, if whilst you learn your na- their names, you also learn what they stand for, what their track record is, who endorses them. If you also learn if they're up for re-election, that's useful. That's just good to know. And I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I was I was coming up with this kind of like idea of what felt like an activating thing that we could do that fits into the busyness of life. I will say, I did not know all of these names and I was really surprised that I didn't know all of these names. And so it was a really useful practice and I encourage you to check it out. Okay, so that's your three ways of activating this week. Just doing simple things to activate yourself. Now I wanna give you three simple actions for deactivating because we all need to deactivate. The first thing, now not everyone can do this. Some people can do it for more longer than I'm going to recommend. Turn your phone on airplane mode for four hours. Yeah, that's right. Airplane mode for four hours, if your life allows. You know, maybe you got kids or you're a caretaker, you can't do something like that. Do what you can. The second idea, 
Log out of all social media for 24 hours. 24 hours. Give yourself a break. If you need to announce it to the world, go for it. You don't want to announce it to the world. You just want to like disappear. Wonderful. I challenge you. 24 hours. Deactivate. See how it feels. Will you feel lonely? Will you feel weird? Feel free? (laughs) Find out. Hey, if you can expand these hours and do it for longer, great. And the third thing I'm going to give you is a little more woo because you made it this far. Why not give you some woo? You can visualize a hole in the ground. You can visualize a hole somewhere in the middle of the solar system, somewhere in the night sky, somewhere amongst the stars. You can visualize a hole, any old where you please, whatever whatever resonates and it's easier for your mind. Visualize a hole that is essentially bottomless and get grounded. Take a deep breath and then exhale everything that you're holding onto that is not your own. Inhale and then exhale whatever you've been holding onto of other people's energies and have all that energy, all that gunk and stuff, the expectations, the attachments, the stress, the worry, and imagine it leaving your system, your body, your heart, however is easiest for you to visualize, and entering into that hole where it will be composted and transformed and set back into the universe's fertilizer. That's right, energy fertilizer. That's what we're going for. I want you to really inhale and then exhale your attachments. Inhale and then exhale your need to know what comes next. Just keep on doing this, just releasing and releasing and do it really slowly if you can. Be present with the feelings. Let the feelings come to the surface as you inhale and stay with them as you exhale and release them into this hole. I'm not trying to brag. I painted a little portal on a wall, a little hole essentially. And uh, I like to exhale things into that. You could draw a hole on a piece of paper, stick it on your wall, stare at it if that's easier for you. If you're a material person like me, I'm a Capricorn. You know, I want to see it. I want to touch it. Do what you want to do. But the exercise is really important. It's one of giving yourself permission to let go. You don't need to carry all the burdens with you in order to honor them. You don't need to carry them in your heart. In fact, it's so much harder to heal when you're schlepping around everybody else's stuff. Do you know what I mean? My loves, I hope that is really useful for you. I hope you get to these exercises and they support you in your life. I also hope if you're in New York, you come and hang out with me. I'm leaving my cat, Panda Elizabeth Henry, in California just to hang out with you in New York. So if you don't hang out with me, my cat is going to cry for nothing. (laughs) No pressure, no pressure at all. If you haven't already bought my book, Astrology for Real Relationships, Understanding You, Me, and How We All Get Along, I don't know what you're waiting for, get to it. Please write a review for the book if you've loved it. Also, write a review for the podcast if you like it and love it. Join me on Patreon for bonus episodes of Ghost of a Podcast. And I love you. Please love yourself. And then let that love for yourself translate to empathy, kindness, and patience for others. Every year they say the end is near, but we're still here.